It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. A very good morning to you. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your comments across the show. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can always tweet us at C103Cork. And ahead on the show this morning, a lot of talk yesterday on climate change. How will this affect everybody? Outside of what we will uh, notice anyhow with our weather patterns is the cost. And how will we feel the cost? Well, it will be with energy prices because they're due to increase again and it seems we will have a future of foreseeable uh, price hikes for a number of years Uh, this is because carbon tax is to increase Uh, we've already seen hikes over the last number of years but there is ways people can combat uh, those price increases we'll speak with Derek Cassidy from bonkers.ie shortly on the programme also we had a lot of texts last week on the show and this was inquiring about the former site of the Central Hotel or the Mallow Park Hotel in Mallow uh, which remained derelict for a number of years now the site is sold but what is the plan and can this be prevented from happening again when you ever saw a story anywhere across the country about a derelict site in a town usually the picture used was that site I speak about in Mallow but it's a time to look at situations like this and ensure that this does not happen again because it can affect the town I mean if you're the first time ever you arrive into a town and you see a site like this it may turn you off from stopping in that town as a tourist and you might drive on to another town it just sends out the wrong impression so what can we do to prevent this uh, from happening not only in Mallow but in other towns across the county again Councillor Pat Hayes will join us on this and also on the idea that in September on a pilot project something like what's happening in Skibbereen at the moment but this is to do with palestrizing a street in Mallow the main street from O'Brien Street down towards the Clockhouse that is to become uh, from a period in September fully palestrinized on Saturdays uh, that is to give businesses a chance they can use that space then and while it will be great and it will be fantastic to have people out and about and you can have your coffee or you can walk around that area not looking out for traffic what then does happen to the traffic where does that go and any 
anybody living in the area will realise the traffic problem that Mallow has already. That Main Street can be backed up. The plaza already reducing uh, laneways in the bottom of the town of Mallow, which has led to traffic jams elsewhere. And with schools returning and people busy on a Saturday will be doing their jobs and, you know, going to GAA training or whatever. Uh, will it be a good move or will it be a bad move? Uh, there'll be mixed views on this and we'll also ask Pat Hayes about that on the show. Your views are very welcome. Uh, Bernie taking your calls, 1850-333-103. And there was shock in East Cork over the last week and this is due to the proposed closure of the Onakura Centre in Middleton. Now, this is a centre where people attend for day services in relation to mental health, but also they live within this centre. So it's the people's homes. And we're going to speak with a lady who has a relative in the centre and obviously they're very upset because it's that person's home. They go and visit uh, that person in the centre and now they will have to be moved to a new location. We're also going to chat with Deputy Pat Buckley who is a mental health advocate in the area and the reason behind the closure and why this is happening. I know uh, this morning uh, the report that came out uh, on the HSE who say that they had to close the centre because the building was uh, more or less not up to standards for what they have but seemingly there was not that many bad ticks uh, for that building so we'll look into that more later in the programme and also we're going to hear about rescuing different birds which we always hear about on the show but what about crows? We don't hear much about crows I mean if you if anybody saw a crow injured on the road would you stop and pick the crow up and take him to be rescued because there's so many of them I think we just kind of are so used to crows we just overlook them uh, because of the amount of crows we're used to seeing in this country well one person would not and they have set up a rescue centre which is located near Bandon for crows we'll speak to them later in the show and also Peter Doddle is along after 12.30 answering all your gardening questions if you have a question get it into us early so we can get those to Peter after 12.30 uh, very shortly it's your chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI I'll give you details shortly on that and Wally the Walrus who we spoke about yesterday. We spoke with Michael Scully from the Clonakilty Distillery who has a boat in Clonakilty Bay. The walrus decided to climb onto the boat and chill out for a few hours and was still using boats in the area. I know one boat was damaged but it's been repaired at the moment. But now what the situation is coming to is they want some emergency kind of pontoon in and around the boat so that the walrus can come off and get on the boats in a safe manner and they're also worried that people now it's becoming a bit of a tourist attraction are going down to see the walrus and getting maybe too near uh, to him or her so uh, Wally the walrus certainly making a name for himself right across the south coast of Ireland at the moment in Clonakiltium there's been coverage of Wally the walrus on uh, the boats in Clonakiltium right across the world a lot of uh, TV stations in Australia and America have been uh, looking and showing footage of the walrus over the last 24 hours so he's made a name for himself uh, but now it's how can they protect this walrus and how long will he stay in the area I mean is he going to go home or will he just hang around Clonakilty Bay uh, we'll have to wait and find out but we will speak with Seal Rescue Ireland on what now needs to be done to protect Wally the walrus so that and more to come between now and 1 o'clock your views are welcome 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and I mentioned there about the energy prices and how they're set to increase for another winter. Well, of course, this all goes down to what was discussed yesterday and uh, Finance Minister Pascal Dunahoo has come out on the issue of climate change and he says that uh, all of this that was announced yesterday will be central to the discussions around October's budget which will see the government committing to increasing carbon tax to €100 Euro per tonne 
by 2030. And then last October in the budget, it rose to €33.50 per tonne. So they are again going to increase and look at all ways that they can increase the budget when it comes to carbon, fuel, petrol, gas, whatever. It is going to go up. We'll discuss that shortly. And something else that has come out a report into Ireland's health service uh, claiming that now those who are maybe not within the health service but making decisions for the health service need to listen because a review by the Health Information and Quality Authority has found that the pandemic has left some hospitals at breaking point. Despite the massive injection of funds into the system, the Watchdog report revealed how facilities already struggling with cramped conditions and bed shortages and then the lack of staff were now worse off than they were before the pandemic and HICWA has said that many hospitals were not complying with the national standards and this included poor physical infrastructure, capacity issues and the big thing which I suppose we've heard about over the last two weeks regarding Bantry Hospital is staffing challenges that they are facing and within this we I know a lot of people were angry the fact that we were one of the longest countries in Europe with a lockdown and we all know the reason why it was that very reason there was not enough ICU beds there was not enough capacity in our hospitals to deal with the sick people and that's why we were in that situation and we don't want that to happen again so we need to even though money has been pumped into the health service again you'd wonder where that money is going. Is it a bit like our chat yesterday regarding the graveyards and uh, the the money being pumped in or receives even from a property tax but it has to go to pay wages and is that a similar situation in the health service and then we're left in this scenario where you can't get a bed and staff are not there and we end up with a situation we had in Bantry for the last two weeks. Now this morning from 9am and I presume this has happened, admissions were reopening this morning in Bantry General Hospital so that's some positive news anyhow that that is happening in the Bantry Journal this morning admissions have reopened but uh, certainly they need to look now at our health service and if money is being pumped in as they say well where is that money going because there's no evidence of it being spent to improve the health service and increase the capacity for those who do end up in our hospitals across the country and we did not get to this yesterday really busy show yesterday by the way and I have a lot of emails and I had a lot of texts from people who want to raise various issues and uh, people that want help in different uh, scenarios as well. Uh, I will get to those across the show this morning. Just so busy yesterday, physically could not get to every single comment, but we will uh, get to those that we could not get to yesterday between now and one. But something we could not discuss because of time was uh, these trees, these so-called robot trees that appeared to be installed on Patrick Street in the city centre over the last few days. Now, Cork City Council has come out and defended its decision on this installation. Uh, they say the trees contain different mosses with automated water and nutrients. Provision. So these five city trees, they were installed, as I said, in the city centre of Patrick Street, also on the Grand Parade area. And they are covered in that mixture of, of moss and they, they say they're supposed to filter out the pollutants anyway. They're already in Berlin and London. You may have seen them if you happen to be there. Uh, but they are going to continue with their biodiversity plans. This won't rule out what plans they have to continue uh, those uh, various biodiversity. Uh, you, you might see them across the city. They have little gardens in different areas of the city uh, that have been replaced parking spaces that will continue also they will continue to set trees in the city you know real trees proper trees that won't stop but these are to enhance and be part of a a bigger plan uh, for the city and I suppose it's all leading to the the chat we're having on uh, climate change as well Uh, but what do you make of them I mean they if you have seen them they're basically wooden structures and this falls for fake tree with the 
the moss and whatever is inside in it, uh, some people are saying, you know, will they survive? Um, interesting comments on our C103 Facebook over the last 24 hours from people who feel uh, that uh, maybe the uh, student nights out or the weekends, will they be coming climbing features? Uh, we'll have to wait and see how they will survive the public, but they are there and they're at a cost though. They cost 350000 a year to maintain. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a big amount of money for those trees. Your views are welcome on that. Uh, is it a waste of money? Should they just plant more real trees or is it something they're trying to do to combat? And also there's um, a measurement in there uh, which will, we, we had them in various areas of the city and county, but this will be able to uh, tell what the pollution levels are like in the city centre. I think there's one in the lower harbour uh, there's one in the north side of the city, but there's none actually in the city centre that can read the pollution levels in the city centre. Uh, they're also contained in these robotic trees. So your views are welcome on that, though. Is it a waste of money? Big money, though. Uh, 350000 a year for those robot trees on Partick Street and the Grand Parade. Your views are welcome on that. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And a lot of talk about employees who are going back to work and uh, if they want to go back or if they want to stay at home because they, maybe they've been used to working from home and it's less stress than getting into the commute and travelling again back to the city area as well. We're looking to America on this because they're returning back and Google employees who were based in the same office before the pandemic could see different changes in their pay if they decide to continue to work from home and not go back to the office because the pay that they would have got was considering where they were living and it was taken into account their commute in the city they were living. Whereas if they decide now to work in a more remote area where the cost of living is not as high, then their wages will be calculated calculated differently. The company has set up an internal uh, pay calculator. So if you, uh, it's it's an experiment at the moment in the Silicon Valley, but if you decide to live in another area of the states that may not be as expensive as San Francisco, for example, well, then the wages you were on will reflect that. You won't be getting the high wages. So I suppose here in Ireland, that example would be if you were on Dublin wages and you decide to live then in a, a very rural part of Cork or Kerry or Galway or Clare, your wages will be changed to reflect the cost of living in those areas compared to the cost of living in uh, Dublin. So it's something that we could see happening here. Facebook and Twitter are also looking at this. Uh, and is it right? Are they right to do so? I mean, if you're not going to be living then in the, the main city where the wages are higher due to the cost of living, are they right to reduce your wage if you are going to work from home? And can I say a big happy birthday? Uh, this is a great occasion for two ladies in the Clonakilty area. First of all, it's their one 100th birthday. It was marked this week and we'll say a big happy birthday to Anna Cannellan from Banlascarthy celebrated her special birthday with a small ceremony in the local parish centre there in Banlascarthy on Monday and then also uh, Catherine Burke uh, happy birthday to you. Both were presented uh, with a beautiful bouquet of flowers and that was presented by the Mayor of Clonakilty Anthony McDermott uh, so a happy birthday to Catherine and to Anna celebrating their 100th birthdays uh, a great occasion for both of those. And uh, it was Tommy, I think, yesterday was on to us. And Tommy was uh, talking about how he found it hard to sleep over the last number of days. And a few people text in to say it's to do with the stars. 
and the stars are aligning and that's why people are finding it tough to sleep because we got a massive response on this when we read out Tommy's email yesterday a lot of people are feeling the same as Tommy they just could not get a good night's sleep for the last seven or eight nights and the reason is clear skies tonight that texture, those textures on the stars were right because if you look up tonight you could get a chance to spot a meteor shower over Ireland the Perseids shower which occurs annually has been visible in recent days but it will peak tonight and astronomers say there's no need for telescopes to catch a glimpse of that with clear conditions and hopefully we will have those clear conditions later we're due to have earlier on in the night anyway you should be able to see uh, visible to the human eye uh, those meteor showers and according to Texas that could be one of the reasons why people aren't getting a good night's sleep yeah, your views are welcome 1850 333 103 or indeed text or whatsapp 0862103103 and Maura is in Ballydesmond. Good morning to you, Maura. Uh, she has a strange question, she says, for listeners across the county. Yesterday, she saw two buzzards in the sky over her house. Now, uh, she thought they were hawks first, but her brother confirmed that they were buzzards. So has anybody else in Cork seen these birds? Is Maura the only one in Ballydesmond seeing these buzzards? Or have you seen them elsewhere in the Cork area? I know they were spotted last year in the Timaleague and Cork McSherry area. Uh, but is there more in Cork buzzards flying over uh, people's homes like Maura and Belly Desmond let us know text or whatsapp 0862103103 it's Cork today until 1 and you can now play C103 Bingo every day for cash prizes here on Cork's greatest hits so to celebrate we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI listen out across the show I'm going to call out a bonus number each hour between now and one and when you have all three numbers you then text or WhatsApp us the combined total and you could be a winner you could win yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of the week you could go into a draw and it could be used at any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels in Ireland and if you want to know more about C103 Bingo just go to our website c103.ie and simply click on C103 Bingo so the first number for today is Number seven. Okay, write this down. Number seven. Uh, Write it down. Keep it safe because we'll give you another number after 11 a.m. and the final one after 12. If you have the three of those, then you will combine the total and we'll ask you for the total in the final hour you're going to draw for Friday to win that hotel voucher for any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels with thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI. Energy prices that are due to increase. We'll discuss that next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A series of price hikes will mean we'll all pay more for our gas and electricity this winter, but what will this add to our bills? Also taking into account oil and those who burn coal. Well, Dara Cassidy is with Bonkers.ie and joins me. Good morning to you, Dara. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I mean, we have seen increases over the last number of years and we'll see further, it seems now, uh, this year as well. Any idea at this stage how much more bills could increase? Um, well, there's been a few significant price increases over the past year. Um, some suppliers have already increased prices three times this year alone. Um, so it's absolutely huge. And when you take into account, on average, the price increases that we've seen, households are paying probably around €300 Euro extra for their gas and electricity. Uh, that's based on average usage. Some households might be paying a bit more. Some households might be paying a bit less. 
And um, I, I would think that we're kind of over the worst of us. I would hope that we're over the worst of us. And um, I've never seen the market as bad as, as it is. I've never seen uh, electricity and gas prices having to go up so high and so often in such a short space of time. But unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to forecast um, energy prices correctly. And as we move into autumn and winter, that's not to say that we could see maybe some further small price increases as well. And I'll get to the carbon taxes in a while, but why have we seen these increase over the last uh, few months? Why this year more than other years? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's probably four main reasons, which I'll just go very through very quickly for listeners. The first reason and the main reason is that the price of gas and coal has skyrocketed on international markets over the past few months. Um, as the world economy has opened back up after COVID, the pandemic, there's just been a lot of bottlenecks and it's adding to, it's causing a lot of price pressures and we're seeing that in the energy market as well. Um, we talk about renewable energy a lot, but what we need to remember is that around maybe 60% to maybe even 65% of our electricity still comes from burning gas and coal. Uh, the second reason is that it hasn't been that windy um, over the past few months, that the level of wind output has been down and what it usually would be, that's putting pressure on supply and demand. Some power plants have also, has also, have also um, been out for maintenance. There's a big one in Cork called Whitegate that's been down. There's one in Dublin that's been down. Um, that hasn't been well managed, I have to say. And then the final reason is that, you know, John Paul, renewable energy isn't free. And I think we forget that sometimes. And a lot of investment is needed in renewable energy and in the grids and in the electricity network to, to cope with the demand and the need for, you know, more renewable energy over the next few years and decades. And, and I think those costs are being passed on to consumers as well, unfortunately. And when you mentioned there about Whitegate being down, what does that actually mean? Is it because the, the facility has been not operating the full capacity due to COVID? Or? Uh, yeah, well, it's down for maintenance. So quite often, I mean, there's lots of power plants across the country and they regularly go down for maintenance at different times. Uh, just for cleaning, for security checks and things like that. But there's been a bigger number than usual that have been down. There's also been a big one in Huntington in Dublin that's down. Uh, these are both gas-fired power stations. Uh, and then there's been one or two others around the country as well. And it's just kind of been bad timing. Um, as I said, you know, it's not unusual for a power station to go down for a certain period of time. Um, but it, it kind of happened at the worst time, um, whilst demand for electricity was going up while we saw a corresponding decrease in wind output. And it kind of just all these things came to a head at a really, really bad time. And it's it's led to just a huge increase in price of um, electricity on the wholesale market. So to put things into perspective, around this time last year, uh, megawatts of electricity on the wholesale market was going up around maybe 30 to 40 euro. At one stage over the past two weeks, it went up to over 100 euro. So that's a huge price increase and price increases of that magnitude are always going to be passed on to consumers. And the PSO levy, which we talk about every time we, we mm-hmm. mention increases, this really annoys the listeners when they know they see this on their bill. Uh, just explain briefly what that is about, because every time we discuss uh, this situation, it's one thing that keeps coming up, the annoyance people have on this levy, which then we will see carbon tax being increased and being brought in in this year's budget, which we know it will be. That will also, along with the PSO levy, increase everything. Yeah, so the PSO levy has been around for about maybe 10 or 11 years. 
And basically, the main objective of the levy is to support the renewable energy sector. Um, it was just over eighty-eight euro a year last year, but it has been reduced uh, by around thirty euros. So that's, I suppose, some comfort for people. Uh, but the reason why it's been reduced actually is because energy prices have gone up so much. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. And um, the the PSO levy and the energy prices kind of work uh, vice versa. When the when energy prices go up, the PSO levy goes down. Um, and basically, we have the PSO levy, like I said, to support the renewable energy sector, to support wind farms, um, and because it's been deemed that they should be supported and protected from price fluctuations. Uh, and then that's paid by all residential and domestic um, electricity customers in Ireland. Um, I think we need, you know, I, I always say, John Paul, that uh, I, I suppose renewable energy is good for the environment. And we've seen, you know, we see the wildfires in Greece. We've seen the heat wave in in, in Canada, and um, there's a report from the new a shocking report from the UN talking about the, the the climate crisis only the other day. So we know that renewable energy is important. But I always say it's good for the environment, but it's not necessarily always good for the pocket. And I think as we as we have that transition to a a greener and a cleaner economy, there are going to be costs that consumers and households are going to be faced with. Unfortunately, uh, another one being, of course, the carbon tax, which you pay on on gas bills. Yeah, and that is going to go up higher this year again, so we could be paying an extra that we don't know exactly what yet, but there will be a good couple of euro, you would reckon, after the budget in October. Yeah, so it's kind of going up, I think, by about maybe seven fifty a year. So at the moment, it's thirty three fifty per ton, uh, and that adds around eighty euro to the average annual gas bill. Uh, but it is projected or there's a commitment in the programme for government for that to go up to €100, Euro, mm. uh, so for it to almost treble. So it would mean that the average household, just in carbon tax alone, in the not-too-distant future, would be paying you know well over €200 Euro, um, a year just in carbon tax. And then that's obviously, you pay then VAT on top of that as well. So it'll be a lot of money in the not-too-distant future that we're paying to the government um, just, you know, just, just to heat our homes. So it, yeah, it, it's going to, you know, it, it's going to be controversial. A lot of people aren't going to be happy, and um, but I think we know that we need to do these things. But equally, it's how it's managed, and you know that transition, is, like I said, is going to cost people money. Good, we need it good for the environment, but not so much good for the bogus. But then, on how you can, I suppose, weigh this and weigh the hit in your pocket is to look around at other companies and look on switching websites like your own. Mm-hmm. Because if you do switch, you can get an offer whereby you can get credit. So they might offer you four hundred euros off your bills, and your first three or you know your first two months or three months, depending on how much you use, could be more or less for free with this credit. But you you got to do the work and switch first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Our mantra at Bonkers.ie is always that switching saves. So whether it's your mortgage, whether it's your broadband, whether it's your gas and your electricity, if you want the best deals, you have to be prepared to switch. The good news when it comes to switching gas and electricity is that it is genuinely probably one of the easiest bills to switch. When it comes to broadband and when it comes to you know your mortgage, obviously, there's a little bit more work involved, but it's still very, very doable. But really, with gas and electricity, I can't overemphasize this enough, John Paul. It's quick, it's easy, it's simple. It can all be done online in the space of a few minutes. Um, all you need is, is your MPRN or GPRN number, which you'll find in a recent bill, as well as a recent meter reading. And then you can go on to a site like ours, fill in the information, and it'll all be done in around maybe five or ten minutes. And at the moment, somebody who switches could save around 500 euro a year on their bills. So it's not an insignificant amount of money. And, you know, it's better that the money's in your pocket rather than someone else's.
Mm-hmm. And when you do the switch, then, uh, for example, if you're going from energy company A to energy company B, mm-hmm. they will contact your last company and they will move everything over. So you just simply either ring them or do it online and they, they take over the rest. There's no back and forth for you. So once you find what you want and you think it will work for you regarding rates and whatever credit they may be offering, it's just you go to one and, and they do all the work. So it, isn't, it, doesn't get, it doesn't get complicated like it would have a number mm-hmm. of years ago. No, no, there's absolutely no work for you to do there in that respect. You don't need to contact your existing supplier. Obviously, there's no equipment that needs to be, you know, brought back. No no pipes are being changed. Um, your gas and electricity is going to come from the exact same network, um, which is still ultimately owned and managed by the government. All that you're changing is your supplier and getting cheaper prices. And as you alluded to there, some um, suppliers have cashback deals. Uh, where they might give, you know, 200, 300 euro cash back, um, which will be credited usually within around 30 days onto your first bill, meaning that you could get a few weeks free of electricity as well. Uh, Although always, you know, do the sums, which you can do quite easily on our site. Sometimes those deals that come with cash back, you know, might have a higher standard rate. So the cheapest deal for you over the course of, you know, a year will depend very much on how you use your electricity. Um, but, you know, all of this can be calculated by us very, very easily. But, you know, believe it or not, there's 14 energy suppliers in the market at the moment. It's absolutely insane. So there's never been more choice and there's never been more competition for new business. Yeah, true. And you can check those all out on bonkers.ie. For the moment, Dara, thanks for joining us this morning. Good advice there for those who wish to switch as well. And we'll wait and see what comes out from the budget on how exactly uh, things will increase uh, from October or January onwards for the moment. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, that's Derek Cassidy there, who was with Bonkers.ie. And on that, when we mentioned the PSO levy, uh, a texter here says, Eamon Ryan, when he was interviewed by Eamon Dunphy uh, in a programme going back to the 90s, when the Greens were in power with Fianna Fáil in the 1997 government, he said, with the erecting of wind turbines, it would be a win-win for everyone and good for the planet. It isn't beneficial to the consumer anyway. If anything, it is worse. A text to 0862 well, as you heard Dara say there, that PSO levy is paying for those wind turbines. So in a way, you're, you're right. We're, we're paying for those. Uh, you can call Bernie 1850 333103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Towards the end of last week on the show, we received texts from a number of people who were happy to see a sold sign on the former site of the Central Hotel and the Mallow Park Hotel in Mallow Town. Derelict sites and towns is something we have spoken about for a number of years and Councillor Pat Hayes from Mallow joins me on this. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. I suppose this was an eyesore, Pat, in Mallow for a number of years. The council ended up pumping in money into this building to save it because it was crumbling and there was a fear it would hurt people walking by. Uh, Now there seems to be a new look for that site. Any idea what will replace the eyesore that was there? I, I suppose, I suppose, just to just to recap a little bit. Um, I suppose we all know there's, there's probably, you know, uh, an acute housing shortage uh, at the present time, and and I think probably one one way of tackling the housing crisis is is to use building stock, um, which is already in place in 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 our towns and villages. Um, unfortunately, a lot of this building stock it's it's not fit for purpose, and just to go back. Uh, to your question, I suppose the Central Hotel in Mallow, you know, has has a prime location on, on the main street, and and it overlooks the, the the town park. We say at the rear of the building, 
Um, look, my understanding, it is in, in the final stages of being sold. Um, I think tourism is going to play a major role for the future of, of, of Mallow and Mallow Town and North Cork. Um, I think it is imperative that we, we create accommodation within the town, um, you know, with easy access to all amenities. I suppose in order to facilitate the increase in, in visitor numbers, which we will, will be expecting, I suppose whatever the plans will be, you know, they'll, they'll have to be dealt with, um, you know, for, for the central hotel, they'll have to be dealt with in a, in a sensitive manner. And um, I think it, it will transform this site and, and it is a landmark uh, in Mallow. I'd love to see it being developed to its full potential, you know, into a, into a first-class hotel. Um, and and I personally would, would like to see, you know, a rooftop restaurant, uh, hotel with views, you know, overlooking the town, overlooking the town park. It backs right onto the town park. So it's, it's an incredible site. Uh, it's right in the heart of the town. And um, I, I think that um, there's huge potential there. And is there any confirmation that that is what could happen or has anything formally been said yet? Um, it's still it's still in the process. So I don't think it's appropriate, you know, to confirm anything yet. Um, but I can say um, progress has been made and, and I'm confident, you know, that... that, that this, this was going to be a very positive outcome for, for Mallow. And um, from what happened with that site, I mean, have lessons been learned now on how this happened and how the council can prevent this happening in other towns in the future, uh, having a site like that idle for so long? Absolutely. I think, I think, um, I think the approach will have to be um, very positive. Uh, and I think that um, as soon as, you know, contracts, everything is sorted, and I think negotiations and talks will start with the planners immediately. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll be, it, it'll have to be fast tracked um, and, 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 and the project got underway as, as quickly as possible. And any, any timeline? Um, no, I, I, I suppose um, there's, there's no, no timeline as, as yet, but um, I, I would envisage that it will, it will be, um, it will be, quick and, and um, there, there, there are plans being, being drawn up at present and um, as soon as they become available I, I, I will, um, it, will, it will be made known. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, something that came into us this morning by way of confirmation, which we did hear was going to happen, but was confirmed this morning by the council, and this is that Thomas Davis Street in Mallow is set to be pedestrianised every Saturday afternoon for six weeks, and this is part of a pilot project. We've seen this happening in other towns across the county as well, Pat uh, Skibbereen, an example. And this means that there will be no access for vehicles during the restricted time sets that will be on that Saturday. Uh, it will be made available for on-street dining also during that time. Business Businesses are welcoming this, but the main thing we're hearing this morning is where will the traffic go? You're very aware of the traffic problems in Mallow at the moment. Uh, so what happens with on a Saturday, you know, schools are back, people are busy uh, organising their lives on a Saturday that they can't do on a Monday to Friday. Uh, wh- what will happen with traffic? Is it going to be diverted up O'Brien Street? Or wh- where is the excess traffic going to go when the basically the end of the main street is closed? Yeah, that's correct. And I have I have flagged that and... and I suppose the um, look as, as a trader myself in in Mallow for, for for many years. I'm I'm fully aware of the difficulties 
there are within the town regarding traffic. And um, I have noticed, and I'm speaking to uh, a number of traders, and I suppose as a past president of the Chamber of Commerce myself, I, I'm fully aware that Mallow, on a Saturday afternoon, um, it, it really empties out. So you're, you're very very busy up to probably 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and then, you know, I think people, they go away, they go home, they've their shopping done, um, and, and, and I think that, that has been the trend for the past number of years. I, I, I welcome the festinization, um and as, as a trial, on a trial basis, um, I, I really, it's probably putting the cart before the horse, Look, we're, we're due a relief road in Mallow, which is which is making great progress at the moment. And I think that um, once we have the relief road, um, it, the, the pedestrianisation will, will, will become more of a reality. But I'm saying that I, I do hope um, opening the town on, on a Saturday afternoon to pedestrianisation will create some sort of an impulse for people to, to stay in town longer. At the moment, they're not staying they're, they're, it, it, it kind of empties out around three o'clock, two to three, and and it's it's it's, it's it kind of goes dead then until until six. So, so you're hoping uh, to bring more people into Mallow, bring an atmosphere like you see in in the city centre and other correct. towns across the county, and, and bring more business in as well. Absolutely correct. And um, and you don't I, think I, it will have an issue for traffic? The, the traffic the traffic will will be an issue um, because. If there, if the traffic will, there's two options. It, it'll be diverted down, um, down, down towards the, um, the, the, the town park, with the opposite, uh, just just beyond the central hotel, uh, down towards the, the Protestant church. It'll also be diverted up O'Brien Street, um, which means it'll, it'll, there's, there's a bottleneck there anyway. So uh, when you come down the muddy hill, you're coming on to the N72, N73. So you're, you're, you're. You have the Dublin traffic coming in there, the Waterford traffic. Um, so, yeah, but as I say, Saturday traffic in the, in the afternoon is not as bad as, as what it used to be. So I think the, the timing is probably appropriate. Um, it, it will create difficulty, um, you know, for, 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 I can see, for down the spa and, 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 and Bridge Street there, it's going to be quite difficult because uh, obviously you're, you're, you're going to have all the traffic, most of the way passing, um, coming down the muddy hill and, and, and turning right. Now, the other option is people will obviously go up towards the roundabout and, and head out uh, towards the, the Cork Road, uh, which, which will take them out of town that way. Yeah, and it is a pilot project, so it will be uh, for, I think it's six weeks, is it? It's going to be for, uh, yeah, six weeks. And after that, then they'll realise oh, what will happen if they'll want to go down that route again in the future. Before I let you go, you mentioned there O'Brien Street, Moraid is in Mallow. She says, ask Pat about the turnoff for the Muddy Hill at the top of O'Brien Street. She feels it's a very dangerous bend. It's very narrow and very dangerous for walkers. There's no footpath on that side and visibility is poor for motorists. She feels buildings that were there, old buildings, should have been been demolished to widen the road. Um, do you agree with her on that? I do. Um, I certainly do. I think the the corner building, um, the old ESB office. Um, I think I think it was you know it was it was a mistake that that building wasn't taken away, um, um, or, or at least would have been uh, widened there. And um, unfortunately, that wasn't done. But it certainly is. It is a. a it is a pinch point there. It is very difficult um, for for people turning. If, if you're coming up O'Brien Street and you want to turn right and go down the Muddy Hill, 
pedestrians who are trying to cross, we'll say, coming up O'Brien Street and, and going up to Market Square, um, it is very blind. And um, I, I, I'm not sure. I, there probably has to be some sort of um, some sort of calming measures there so that um, pedestrians can get across there safely. Yeah, it, it isn't a great stretch, especially for crossing, as Murray was making the point there. For the moment, Pat, thanks for joining us this morning uh, on the programme. That is Councillor Pat Hayes from Mallow uh, on what is due to happen anyway, a positive news story that the what was an eyesore in Mallow for a number of years at the old site of the Central Hotel or the Mallow Park Hotel, uh, that is going to be developed. Uh, not No confirmation of what as yet, but at least it is going to be developed anyhow. And also what is going to happen in September. This is Thomas Davis Street, the main street in Mallow, pedestrianised every Saturday afternoon for six weeks as part of a pilot project. Uh, This will happen from 2 to 7 every Saturday from September 25th until October the 30th. Now similar has happened in other towns across the county. There's been mixed views. What's your view on this for the Mallow area? 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And can we say a big hello and thank you to the gang in O'Brien Sandwich Cafe. Uh, they have sent in some delicious gifts to us of sandwiches, including their uh, barbecue chicken mouth, which myself and Bernie have tucked into there during the news. Beautiful it is. So uh, thank you to uh, the gang in O'Brien Sandwich uh, for sending us that sandwich platter uh, earlier this morning. I know Kintobin went away very happy happy there a few minutes ago with his uh, sandwich uh, so thank you guys for that 1850-333-103 our lines are open you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 uh, Maura from Bally Desmond was on to us earlier on uh, regarding buzzards that she saw flying over her house uh, and she wanted to know has anybody else noticed them across the Cork area well Maura you're not alone a lot of people have and a hi to the gang who were tuned to us in Temple Martian they say we see buzzards often here in the uh, near around Temple Martian there were flying or there was two flying over us here a couple of weeks ago and morning JP I have a few buzzards here in the field next to me flying from shed to wood opposite me not as active as recently springtime they do swoop down on young rabbits and vermin though uh, says Joe in Timaleague and Esther says we saw buzzards yesterday in the Burnfort area now they seem to be training a young bird as they were flying and landing on the wires and calling then the smaller bird would land beside them they are easy to recognise and they have a very distinctive call, says Esther in Burnford. And Alan says, hi John Paul, just to let you know, the buzzards are very common now all over the country. They don't have any predators and therefore they are thriving. They do terrible damage though to sheep and sheep farmers, especially during the lambing season as they will kill the lambs when they are just being born, says Alan on text to 0862 So a big response. So thank you uh, for all your texts for Maura in Belly Desmond. You're not alone, Maura. A number of areas of Cork recognising those buzzards flying over where they live. And energy prices we spoke with earlier. This was with uh, Dara Cassidy uh, from Bonkers.ie and we're going to see an increase as we have now for the last number of years in our gas, our electricity, your bag of coal, um, your oil, whatever else you burn to heat your house. It is going to go up and then carbon tax on top of that. But a lot of people are making various points on this. I think this is summed up by a texter here who says everything else is going up but our money is staying the same. So for all the workers out there, for those maybe who are on social welfare or on the 
state pension, everything is going up with inflation or carbon taxes. But the money we receive every month isn't going anywhere. It's not going up. So that's what's going to affect people. And it's summed up here on another text from a pensioner who says, I'm paying my property tax and they waste my money on those awful looking things on Patrick Street. Now, carbon tax, we're going to have to do something about this. And the government, especially the Greens, uh, are going to increase our energy prices due to this. But where am I going to get the money for this carbon tax? I have barely enough to survive when I get my pension. Maybe the TDs in Cork would like to share their wages with people like me. Hahi, well, in his time, he might have been seen as a bit of a gangster, but he was a fair man, not like this crowd of TDs. Money grabbing monsters, that's all I can call them. I'm so angry. And John Paul, what I mean by fair, Hahi gave us our bus passes and our medical cards, says that texter to 86 and Mallow with the changes there to the street which will happen in September for a six week period it's a pilot that has taken place in other towns as well where they pedestrianise a certain street in the town and they will look at this thing to see if that is something they could do maybe on a more permanent basis or on a longer uh, trial maybe for a number of months during summer periods uh, well uh, Pat is a mallow he says hi JP the powers that have uh, that are there at the moment God they've really surpassed themselves haven't they this time with the pedestrianisation of the main street in Mallow this is just madness to put it mildly says Pat in Mallow and a texter then who's in Skibbereen says for those in Mallow since Skibbereen closed north street and put dining seating in the town. It's blocked every day with traffic and traffic is out the Baltimore Road and indeed the road to Tregumna. It's a disaster so for those in Mallow get used to traffic jams on the approaching roads to the town like we have here in Skibbereen on the Baltimore Road and the road to Tregumna and yeah I mean we've got so many calls we dealt with that when they first closed North Street a number of months ago in Skibbereen that should be ending I think around now or September because that again was a trial period Uh, for two months uh, they were doing that for but Mallow is for six weeks we'll wait and see what happens when they do close uh, the end of the main street in Mallow and you would have heard there in one of the comments about the trees uh, in Patrick Street these are the so-called robot trees which uh, Cork City Council has installed and they're at a cost of €350,000 a year and the trees even though they will still continue the City Council planting real trees and continue with their biodiversity plans these uh, so-called robot trees they contain different mosses with automated water and nutrient provision and there's five of these trees then installed on Patrick Street and Grand Parade and they also have have a filter that filters out pollutants and I think there's going to be uh, something within or located in these trees is what I heard the green saying uh, that will uh, be able to tell the pollution in the air like a pollution monitor an air monitor and I know there's two of those if not more in the city but I know there's one in the lower harbour and one on the north side so this one there's none actually in the city centre so this will be the first uh, to have these within uh, the city centre but a lot of people are unhappy with the cost of these uh, robot trees costing €350,000 Ross says so they can't clean the graveyards the conversation we were having yesterday whereby the graveyards weren't being maintained because the budget wasn't there on the council uh, to do that but as Ross says they can't maintain the graveyards uh, they can't clean them but yet they need to maintain trees in the city what a lack of financial cost 
hop on says Ross while John says the City Council are a disgrace what a waste of money this is imagine wasting 350k a year and then you pay the fools who invented robot trees where in the name of God are we going with these gimmicks please ask the City Council Council, what kind of fools do they think we are the people of Cork I seriously think this is a waste of taxpayers' money yet again. It's not the first time and it won't be the last time. Uh, well, well done, City Council. I feel you don't have a clue, says John on text to 0862103103. And the City Council have come out strongly and they've defended uh, their installation of these robot trees and they feel will add to what they are doing across this city regarding tree planting and indeed biodiversity. They're strongly defending uh, spending that money on those trees. Well, another texter here says, may God forgive them 350,000 for these trees. The people living and dying on our streets, homeless human beings, would gladly live in a nice home. They live in a rain-soaked shop front or alleyway. Winter is fast approaching. Sort out the homeless situation first and foremost. Human versus trees. Cop on Cork City, says a texter to 0862103103. And Pat in Cork, when we were speaking there about people having uh, are finding it hard to sleep over the last number of weeks, it came from an email we had yesterday to the show from Tommy who was looking for advice and uh, wondering if he was alone. He was not alone. A lot of people were the same and it's got to do what one texter thinks has got to do with the stars or could be to do with the stars aligning and there is a meteor shower tonight so maybe that is one of the reasons for people not getting enough sleep but Pat in the city says lack of exercise is the problem get out and go for a good brisk walk for a few miles regularly and not only that will it solve your sleep problem but also many of your health problems says Pat in the city regarding uh, the issue of not sleeping go out and get some exercise and you won't be long then uh, tiring yourself out to get to sleep on that night since passion and uh, very shortly in the programme before midday we're going to hear from a rescue centre who not only rescue birds but rescue crows we'll speak to the person who does this and the centre for rescuing crows is located near Bandon and I suppose we see so many crows we don't think they need rescuing while Anne on WhatsApp says yes if I saw a crow injured I would pick it up and try to help it they are here for a reason says Anne on WhatsApp to 0862103103 very shortly we're going to hear about the closure in Middleton which has come as a surprise to many in the area this is the Onakura Centre it's a centre whereby people attend for day services in relation to mental health but people also live there Uh, we'll speak to those who are affected by this very shortly and also our competition continues on the show as you know we play C103 Bingo every day here for cash prizes on C103 so to celebrate we're giving you the chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI I'm giving out three bonus bingo numbers across the show. I gave out one after 10 o'clock. Here is your second bonus bingo number. It's number 25. Two and five, 25. Write that down. Keep it safe. I'll give you another number after midday. You then have to add up all those numbers, combine the total, and you could be a winner in the draw for Friday where you could be heading off uh, with a €400 Euro voucher to any of the Clayton or Malgen hotels right across the country. With thanks to the NCBI, if you want full details on how to play C103 Bingo, go to our website, c103.ie, and simply click C103 Bingo. C103 Jobs. 
And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include the Charnival Park Hotel are recruiting for full and part-time staff, including a duty manager, weekend kitchen porters, conference and banqueting porter and serving staff, accommodation attendance and maintenance. They're holding a recruitment open day. That is taking place today. It starts from 4pm until 7pm with walk-in interviews at the Charnival Park Hotel. And a person is wanted for garden maintenance. It's Saturdays only in the Bandon area for 087-7617-530 after 6 o'clock or you can always email johnjooleary33 at gmail.com and a working for person and suit supervisor is required for the Cork area email your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com you'll find these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs you're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And there was shock at East Cork when it was received by many family members and letters and they were informing them that those who live and attend the Onakura Centre in Middleton that the centre was to close. Now Rose has a relative in this centre and I'll be joined shortly by the Cork East Deputy Pat Buckley. But first of all, good morning to you Rose. Good morning. And thanks for joining us on this. I suppose for many who might not be aware of this facility, first of all, just describe what they provide there and how they have helped your relative who is in the centre. Yeah, well, um, the centre is unique. It's an example of very good practice of care in the community. So not institutionalised care uh, for people with mental health issues. So um, most of the people are residential. There's also a day centre. There's 24-hour care. And obviously it's in line with the HSE policy on rehabilitation of people with severe and enduring mental health issues. So it was an absolute bombshell in June to get a letter that, first of all, that the centre was closing, but second of all, that the staff would be deployed, redeployed. So in other words, the mental health um, care team would be disbanded. So the justification for the um, the decision was that the Mental Health Commission had carried out an inspection and they said that um, that the standards were so high that the building wasn't in compliance. Now, that report was published yesterday, so I've read it. And on page 14 and 37, there are mentions of uh, issues to do with the building that, um, for example, that... Uh, you know, there were places where ligatures could be attached, um, that the heaters were hot and they didn't all have guards in them and that fire doors were being wedged open. Now, those three issues would seem to me to be low cost, easily addressed. Um, Actually, the Mental Health Commission report was quite pleased with the building overall and the uh, the centre got an 87% compliance rating, which is actually an increase on last year, which was an increase in the previous year. And yeah. it actually says that the premises was in a good state of repair um, inside and outside. They also said that it was in line with national infection control guidelines. And indeed, like the centre staff is commendable because nobody in the centre has caught COVID. 
You're right. I mean, I read that report and it does say that they were very compliant and it only really gave five non-compliances, but they were praising it for the good state of repair. And it kind of goes against what the HSC has said in a statement to us. I mean, I'll just briefly go through the statement. It's a lengthy statement, but the, the main part of the statement is that the HSC and the Cork Kerry Community Healthcare, which comes under the HSC, they say they took the difficult decision to close the owner Curry Centre as the building is not fit for purpose. They go on to explain about the centre itself but then they go back about the building when they say in June our own building experts in HSC estates warned us that the building is in very poor condition with major defects they told us that even if refurbishment took place they could not guarantee the refurbishment building would meet the current building requirements or be regarded as fit for purpose and unfortunately as there was no way to bring the centre to the standards where it is fit for purpose we were left with no choice but to close the centre on a gradual and phased basis between June and the end of October now, they do say they are working with each resident individually to uh, find them an alternative placement. And they also say a mental health day service is located in the building and that work is underway to identify an alternative location for those who attend the, the day services there. Um, it kind of goes against their report, though, that they're talking about where, I mean, the report says everything is in a good state of repair. So it looks yep. like at the HSC are looking into not that report and their own report. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I mean, are they finding faults themselves just to change the operation that they're carrying out there in East Cork? You'd have to wonder, Rose, wouldn't you? Well, the first thing, it's a side issue, but there's been no communication at all seven weeks on. So to, nobody to you? knows anything about where the residents are going. That's the first thing. Okay. But the most important thing is that their report on which they're relying hasn't been published to the best of my knowledge. No, I mean, they've given that statement to us. I mean, the, the annual report you're on about from the inspectors, that is out there. But what the HSC has said isn't out there as yet anyway. No, it isn't. No, no. it isn't. No. So, I mean, to, to assess it, and why, why would they go away and do an assessment themselves if they were relying on the Mental Health Commission, mm. which had already looked at the building? That's a very good point. So it's, it's absolutely bizarre. That's but a I mean, very good point, thing. Yeah. There's the shutdown of the building, but there's also the staff. Now, 
there's been a lot of other examples around the country in which centres are rebuilt. So why isn't that for consideration? They have plenty of land on site and across the road they have a hospital as well, part of which is empty. So, so they could easily the, move people yeah. to another site very nearby without all of this yeah. upheaval. And just tell us about your, it's your brother, is it, that is in the facility? Um, well, I, I don't necessarily have a relative. I'm just a, a campaigner. Okay, so you, but, but you know of people of who have centre. relatives I, in the I centre. Know, I know of people who have relatives there. So they're people who have lived there for 30 years. So it's their whole way of life. They're part of the community in Middleton. Um and to have no idea where they'll be moved to. But the idea of even moving them and to go against their own policy is just, it's bizarre. And I mean, the policy you mentioned years ago, we would have seen, because this centre does deal with people mainly who have mental health issues. And before and years ago, you know, the thing was they would go into a hospital and many of them would be locked away more than likely for a number of years, to put it mildly. Whereas in this facility, you know, they have their independence. They can go about their their daily life. And this is their home whereby there is support there. They're still living independently. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the whole thing about rehabilitation that you don't keep people with mental health issues out of sight, out of mind, lock them up in an institution so nobody has to, you know, en- encounter that aspect of our society. Here they're part of the community. They're able to go out and live their lives as fully as they possibly can. And from the relatives you've spoken to and your own campaigning within this, have they seen a massive difference with those who were within the centre compared to if they were not available to have this on their doorstep? Oh, yes. I mean, the the residents are very, very happy and the relatives are very, very shocked. And, I mean, one of the relatives has said to me that if, if, if their relative who's a resident is moved, it'll kill them because they know no other way. And, you know, um, where are they going to be? Like, why not just rebuild the centre? If the building defects are so much, you know, so much, but we haven't been told what they are anyway. So yeah. it's 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 a bit of a puzzle. It is, and as you're right, I mean, if you do move somebody from what they're used to and, and they're there for a reason, it's going to really upset them. I mean, if any one of us was told in the morning we have to leave everything we have in our home and move somewhere yeah. else, it would cause upset uh, further for, for the people in this situation. Stay on the line there because the Deputy Pat Buckley joins me, Cork East Deputy, who is well known uh, as a mental health advocate and his family are in the East Cork area. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I mean, speaking to Rose there, she's making a very good point that the Mental Health Commission have carried out their report on the building itself and they feel it's in a good state of repair while the HSC estates have a different uh, idea and different mindset when it comes to the building condition. And then there's a day centre as well, which will be affected. I mean, have you got any further answers on this? I mean, we did go through the statement there from the HSC. You raised this with the Minister of State for Disability, Anne Rabbit. Had she anything else to say on this? Well, I suppose at the outset, uh, let me say, you know, well done to Rose there for the honesty because she's hit the nail on the head here. I think the, the, the most important point we have to, I suppose, stress here first, right, is the Mental Health Commission's report. The Mental Health Commission is very similar to maybe the position we're in at the moment in opposition. It's about holding people to account, uh, trying to, um, I suppose, get proper services put in, right? Mm. So when the Mental Health Commission reports come out, there was one again in 16 and 18, it mentioned this. The big issue here is the HSC have constantly ignored those reports, those recommendations, and the HSC have not invested in the Onacara Centre over the last number of years. And that's the first failing. 
when you come to what Rose said there about patients, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. They give you three months' notice that they're going to shut something that has been working perfect. You don't think something that's not broken. Right? It's going to be detrimental to the patients that are there. I spoke to many uh, family relatives um, that don't have access to public transport and where it's been rumoured there is no access to public transport to the alternative site, plus the fact that you are taking away those patients' independence. They are very well integrated into society in Middleton. It, the centre serves so many people in such a large area in East Cork. It's frightening. And I, I, I'm not surprised with the communication that's practically non-existent with staff and family members. We're getting generic um, replies. Yes, I did speak to Ms. Anne Rabbis that took my uh, topical issue at the time. And ironic, all, it's normally a defect where they like to deflect. I mean, I remember one of the lines she mentioned, Portrain in Dublin and 14 million investment. I said, with all due respect, Minister, I said, Portrain is not Middleton. This is about the services. I have put in a number of parliamentary questions on it, but at the moment, the HSE are using the computer hack. So basically, we're getting generic replies back to say, basically, come back in another six or eight weeks, ask the questions again. That's not good enough for the people in Middleton. It's not good enough for the patients or the staff that's in there. I've also met with the Psychiatric Nurses Association last weekend and discussed it. And it goes down too. I mean, in 87% compliance is a very, very, very high mark nationally when it comes to mental health services. And I mean, we have a daycare centre there. You have long-term residents. You have a short respite. But amazingly, when I asked that question, they told me there was no respite. But they forgot to mention there was no respite during COVID. And I will congratulate the staff and everybody there. They never had a COVID case in the whole lot of this. So it goes back down to why as a HSE trying to close something because they failed to invest in it. That they failed to invest in their patients. They failed to invest in their staff. And now they're coming up and they're using the Mental Health Commission report as an excuse to say it's not fit for purpose. I visited that building. It's absolutely immaculate. Yes, there has to be some changes in it. I mean, ligature points, they're actually hinges. They're hinges on the door, majority of these. You know, it's not major, major works. I think it's... What I'm worried about here is that um, the HSE will use this as a little pilot project because I'm well aware of two other premises in East Cork that are very, very similar in modelling, uh, age-wise, the whole lot. And if they'll get away with this, they'll do it again. It's cost-cutting. That's what it is. But it's going to be absolutely detrimental. We cannot lose all these vital services in Middleton. And I'm going to point it out, and I don't mince my words. If you go back to 2000 to 2002, you had 69 suicides in East Cork. And they're telling me that the service is not needed now. I know people that use the day services in there. I think it's absolutely insulting, and you can hear my voice, absolutely insulting that they will misinform and use excuses, the HSE, to take something out of a community that's absolutely vital. I sit on the Mental Health um, Committee for a year, and we did that uh, report, a 10-year plan. And the, the most important one here was it was about community-based care. And the HSE used an excuse of aesthetics. Let's go away. Give us the plan. I've asked, what are they going to do to site? Are they going to build a new premises there? What? And we're getting no replies. And I can understand the frustration of the people and the service users there. But I mean, I have requested and I have got acknowledgement 
I've requested a meeting with the Minister for Health and the Minister for Mental Health and Older People. I have got the acknowledgement back via email and I'm only waiting to sit down with them. But I do seriously think that under no circumstances, I've asked for a full review on this, to do not close the centre because I feel that once it's gone, it's gone. And does the HSC own this site that the building is on? Because it's in a very prime location in Middleton. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that's another fear. I mean, look, you can speculate as well. Yes, it is a very valuable site. But the services that are provided on that site, long term, well, would well outweigh any cost of selling that. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a matter of what that site has worked or location-wise. What's, what's most important here is we need to keep all those services in place. Because I can tell you now, if they will move them, we will lose them. And once they're gone, they're gone. And if they do move the location, I mean, as Rose mentioned there, a hospital nearby, maybe there's part of the hospital that could be used for this. I mean, I, I presume works would still be needed to do if they did that. But could that be a solution if they are hell-bent on, on closing this building? I fear, uh, to be honest, and again, I'm going to be dead honest with you, I just don't trust them. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful setting in there. There's a beautiful courtyard. The patients are very, very happy. I mean, I just cannot figure out. I mean, it's, it's going to be absolutely detrimental if you have people that have been there 15, 20 years that are used to coming out that centre door, walking 50 yards down, turning right and heading for the main street, can cross at the top of the town, go over to the right for a coffee, go down left of the town, buy a packet of cigarettes and whatever. Talk to people. And I've met people from the centre and you'll have a good laugh at some of them, you know, mm. that they're going to take all that away from them. How would you, it's, it's like saying to you, and this is the big worrying thing, what happens if somebody inside there refuses to go because that's their home? And technically, the HSC will be responsible for throwing them out or removing them from what they know as their home for the last 25 or 30 years. Now, if that's not a human rights issue or an abuse issue because of technicalities and the lack of investment in services, well, we're in a very, very sorry state in this country. And I'm not going to rest on this. And Rose, from the people who were using the service, and especially those who were living in that centre, are they aware of what is happening? And what are their feelings if they are aware, Rose? Um, they are aware, but obviously they're extremely upset, you know, because they've been given no further information. So it's just, I mean, and like to treat people with mental health issues in that way, to come along and to say, at the end of June, well, at the end of October, all of you have will have been moved somewhere and then to give no further information at all. And by the way, like the answer now isn't giving more information. The answer is to reverse the decision. The other point that I just wanted to make about, you know, when I was talking about the hospital, I didn't mean that that should be a replacement for the centre. What I meant was that if there are building works that are necessary, that people could be put there temporarily, mm. you know, if some people needed to be moved out. But, I mean, a hospital setting isn't appropriate. The centre is totally different. It, uh, it serves a different purpose. And regarding the statement that we have in a red there when they say they are working with each resident uh, to find alternative placements, are you aware of any family who have family members in there that have uh, been contacted and that the HSD are working with them to find another uh, arrangement or another area where that person can live or attend the day care centre? Have you heard of that? It is completely untrue. 
there has been no communication whatsoever. Um, people that I know have spoken to staff there and the staff haven't been given any information either. And as this will go on and, and no one's giving any answers, I mean, I have a number of WhatsApps and texts coming in here, Rose, from people who were in a, a different situation totally, but it was still in connection with the HSC uh, regarding Bantry Hospital, who had no admissions up until today. And people were forced to travel long journeys to CUH. They stay and they feel for everybody in this situation. But a number of uh, campaigners have said, is it time to protest like we did here in Bantry? And we at least have some admissions starting today. Are you looking at uh, within the current guidelines for health of a type of protest would that highlight the situation more? Um, I think it's inevitable you know um, because the decision doesn't doesn't appear to be legal. And Pat is that what it will take again for people to go out on the streets and to, as Rose is doing there uh, highlight this on the public airwaves so that we have to maintain a service in the area which, I mean, you could look at this, as you said, Pat, you could speculate on this in so many ways that the HSC estates are saying the condition is poor. The Mental Health Commission isn't really saying that. Uh, and then you have a prime location in Middleton. Will it take a protest and more conversation on this to, to keep the facility there? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And Rose is absolutely right. And I mean, I want to thank you and as a station as well, you know, for giving us all the opportunity to raise these concerns. But it just... It just baffles me, absolutely baffles me. And I've been at this a long, long time. And how many times have we said we have to invest in mental health services? We have to invest in them locally. Prevention is certainly better than cure. And now we're still here, a situation where we down here, we're going to have to actually go out in the streets and start demanding that we keep these services. It's absolutely ludicrous in 2021 that we're going back and we're supposedly moving some of these patients into what was known as the, the old asylum many, many years ago when my grandmother was in there for TB. Now, if that's about, if that's how the HSC are looking at moving things forward, this, we're in a very, very bad state. And yes, we'll have to go open the street. I will be making the demands with the two ministers that you reverse the decision now. You go in there with a clear, independent review of everything. We need the truth. But in the meantime, we need all those patients actually protected. We are not to lose any part of that service in this town. In fact, we should be improving and investing more in it. And there are some recommendations within the last report. And again, there are minor alterations or additional staff. That's what we should be doing. Yeah. And we should be championing it as a pilot project. And once you put enough into one and it works, you can then replicate it around the country. And therefore, that takes that pressure off the main services within CUH or in the Mercy and so on and so forth. So it's the opposite opposite effect of dominoes. It's kind of in reverse, but it's a good thing. And if we have to go out in the streets, well, so be it. I'm like the child now that the birthday card is in the post. I know it's coming, but I don't know how much is inside it. Because that's how anxious I'm waiting to see when I can get a date to meet with the ministers. And And the ironic thing here, Pat, is we know there's a tsunami of mental health issues following down the line. We've been told that by even the HSC because of the pandemic. So services like this, you would think, should be looked at in more detail and invested in rather than closing them and cutting them back. Um, I have to leave it there. It's something we will return to. Rose, thank you for joining us on this and outlining the issue there.
Thanks very much. And uh, Pat, we will stay in touch and see what response you do get back from the Health Minister on this as well. Uh, That is, uh, thank you, that is Deputy Pat Buckley there, Cork East Deputy uh, for Sinn Féin. uh, And also we had Rose, who is a campaigner, uh, highlighting the need and what what exactly is happening there uh, with that centre in Middleton, the owner Curtis Centre, which is providing great service over the last number of years for those who use the centre and long-term residents of the centre with mental health difficulties and also uh, those who use the daycare centre but I think the Onakura centre now uh, it could be closing uh, which from what we hear there really is no alternative uh, and no one's being contacted um, we'll see what happens and what the health minister says 1850 uh, views are welcome and you can text or whatsApp 086 Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103 how many times do you take notice of crows? Well, one crow got a new lease of life when he ended up in the care of a wildlife sanctuary in Bandon. Ashley Hughes-Lorden of the Castellac Corvus Rescue joins me. Good morning to you, Ashley. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. First of all, the crow I mentioned there about being rescued, just tell me first of all on what happened to the crow and how you ended up rescuing him. So this lovely lady in Ballygarvin um, rang me one more or one day when I was at work and she asked me would I come look after this bird that she'd found on the side of a busy road. The, the, the road is the Ballygarvin to the airport road, which is a very busy road. Um, she was deathly terrified of birds herself, God love her. So I went up and she brought me to find him and he was basically paralysed. His two legs were no, not working, so I suspected either spinal damage or neurological damage. Um, so we brought him to our local, my, my vet, who I actually work for is Riverview Veterinary Clinic, and Gavin, our vet, um, we x-rayed him, and we couldn't find anything wrong with him. So, you know, most vets will probably say, oh, put him to sleep because there's no point. So we said, look, we'll give him a chance. We took him home and done some physio with him, done some, you know, leg work with him, and I eventually figured out how to make a little sling for him. And now Mr. No Leg, because we have not named him. Um, he's now actually walking. Oh, that's fantastic. So he was on a sling, was kind of hanging in a kind of a cage situation. Is this to get his yeah, legs straight? So, yeah, we made like a little sling out of a hamster hammock that I got in um, one of the pet shops. And we just hung up from the top of the cage so he could grip onto a branch and try and kind of strengthen his legs, if you know what I mean. That's just excellent. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I would never have thought that someone would do that for, for a crow. I think it's because we have so many crows around the country. We kind of just take no notice of them. They're kind of second nature to us. And I know you mentioned there you're a vet with the Riverview Veterinary Group. Uh, tell me about this, though, as you do rescue crows and, and you've, you've helped Mr. Nolegs. Um, how is Mr. Nolegs now? I mean, is he still with you or is he? Yeah, he's going to be with us for a long time, I think. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not hopeful that he'll recover fully to go back to the wild because he does have some lasting kind of neurological issues um, but he's definitely going to make a very good recovery that he can go out into one of our aviaries outdoors and live a perfectly normal life out there um, and he'll be fed and watered and he'll have safety with us so there'll be no fear of him so he'll be he'll be kept in in good shape there with yourselves. And it's the Castellac Covers Group. I mean, just tell us about how this started and how you operate as a rescue centre. Because again, you know, the likes of ravens and crows, we don't consider them when they're injured, unlike maybe robins and, and thrushes and other birds to be rescued. Yeah, I suppose we started about two years ago. Um, I was in work one day and a member of the public brought in a little jackdaw fledgling that had been taken out of a chimney by a cat. 
and and uh, nobody knew what to do with them. And we, um, I said I'd take them home and just see could I keep them alive anyway, and we did. And like they're they're highly intelligent, John Paul. So this guy, he knew exactly like who I was, what I was doing, when I was getting his food ready, what he was getting for dinner. You know, this guy could nearly talk to you. So I suppose it spurred on them from there that we started getting more in. Um, and I suppose there's, there's not many places around. I know there's a few, like, Animal Magic and Kilmalik do wildlife rescue, but we do specific corvids. So we wouldn't take in robins and thrushes and blackbirds. But I wouldn't be 100% knowledgeable about them. But with the corvids, we know exactly what diet they're meant to get and their injuries and their issues and diseases and stuff like that, you know. So um, we just stick to them, really. And when you mentioned there, Mr. No Legs will stay with you. I mean, have you a number of birds that stay in the area there where you are that, that, that remain there well, for a number of years? Well, we've tried to release as many as possible. So last year we were we released 10 um, birds. This year we have about 10 to release as well, as long as they're all in good enough shape and they're all eating and their molt has finished and they're all ready to go. They'll be released hopefully out in September. Um, currently we have um, two jackdaws that are non-releasable due to very bad breaks when they came in, so they stay with us. Mr. Nolex will probably stay with us for as long as it takes, if we can release them. And we also have a not, not a corvid, Mr. Um, Stephen Seagull, who was picked up and abandoned a few months ago by one of the members of Monster Lost and Found. And he was brought to me because, again, nowhere else was going to take him. And unfortunately, he had to have his wing amputated Oh. And he's also living with us. Okay, and would you get many people then who approach you, who know of your service and, and approach you to say, we have this bird or this bird flew into our home injured? I mean, is there a big uptake on, on saving birds at the moment still? Um, at the moment, now that people have actually seen my Facebook page, I'm getting a big influx of birds coming into me, um, which is fantastic because I suppose before people would see them and they'd just kind of class them as pests and they just kind of like, you know, ignore them, you know. Mm. Um, but they're fantastic. They're just so clever. They're all, oh, they're charismatic. They're, they're affectionate. People don't realise it, you know. They're just, they're fantastic birds. Yeah, they're very intelligent. And I suppose in the last year, a lot of us have been walking more in our local areas due to the pandemic. Have we become more involved and aware of nature around us? And is that why now we're looking at birds that we all would see and be more caring towards them? I would hope so. Like, I mean, I do see there that the people were texting in about the number of buzzards. Buzzards mm, have yeah. increased tenfold in the country in the last 10 years. Um, we also have uh, an influx of pen harriers and white-tailed seagulls. Um, we also had an Egyptian vulture come into Donegal recently. Um, so I think now that people are out and, out and about and they're seeing them and they're seeing the different birds and the different types of birds and that's not all the black crows that we have are crows, you know. It's um, it's very good for people to, to really understand about them, you know. And you mentioned the, like the buzzards and other birds there. Why are we getting an influx of them to Ireland at the moment? Do you know why this is happening? I'm not sure. I think just maybe their breeding is becoming much more prolific, I suppose, mm. and maybe the lack of um, predatory animals for buzzards and that there is a massive... Um, amount of prey for them you know yeah yeah that's true too and uh, regarding yourself and if people want to contact you in Castle Lack and the Castle Lack Corvus group they can contact you on Facebook is it 
they can they can contact me on Facebook. There's also um, a WhatsApp number if you're in emergency and you need me to to help out. You can just contact me on the WhatsApp as well. Very good. Well, I appreciate you taking time out to chat to us and best of luck. I know you're busy in the veterinary practice there as well. So best of luck in your role role and best of luck with the crows. Thank you very much, John Paul. Thanks, Ashley. That is Ashley Hughes-Lorden there of the Castellanac Corvus Rescue. Castellanac is just outside Bandon. And for many who thought that crows were never rescued, there we are, the story of Mr. Lowlegs and a number of other birds that they rescued there in Castellanac. Yesterday, we heard all about Wally the Walrus, who was at Clonakilty Bay, got into a boat. We spoke with the boat owner, Michael Scully, from the Clonakilty Distillery. And now there's an emergency appeal for either a pontoon or a floating platform. Melanie Crosi is with Seal Rescue Ireland and joins me on this. Good afternoon to you, Melanie. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. And thanks for joining us. I mean, is this pontoon to protect the walrus because he has a tendency to hop on boats and then jump off them again? Exactly. It's a bit of both. Um, wherever, wherever wherever this walrus has shown up, he tends to create quite a stir. Um, of course, it's extremely exciting. Many of us would never otherwise get to see a wild walrus um, because they are native to the Arctic. He is far from home. Um, but there is also the other end of things where, um, you know, we don't have floating sea ice down here, which is where walruses will rest. Um, so he's a little a bit opportunistic, so he'll sort of just climb onto anything he can. Um, I know that in the Isles of Philly, he had sunk and damaged a few boats. Um, he's also maybe sunk and maybe flipped over a few boats um, since he's been here as well. So by getting a designated platform for him, it sort of solves two problems. It gives him a safe place to rest where he is going to be able to be monitored. Um, and hopefully we can do some community engagement to ensure that people are not getting too close um, yesterday, there were a number of tourist boats that were sort of swarming him. Um, so he's actually not been seen since yesterday. We do think that the disturbance maybe got to him and he's moved on. Um, so we are looking for sightings. So if anyone does see the walrus, if you could please report him to our 24-hour hotline. Um, but the thing is, we have had a lot of people reach out to help us. And we do think that we've got enough pontoon um, segments to put together for a platform for him so that the next place he shows up, we'll have a safe place for him and hopefully that'll keep him from doing doing any damage to people's property as well. And do you think because of the attraction and people going to have a look at him, is that one of the reasons why he went? Because they can swim for miles, can't they? I mean, he's been showing up in various parts of the south coast from Waterford now to Clonacilty Bay. Oh, yes, he's incredibly um, amazing at swimming. I mean, he made it down possibly from Greenland, uh, possibly north of Norway. We're not exactly sure. But he made a very, very long swim to get down here. And, of course, he was first sighted um, in in County Kerry, Valencia Island, back in March. Since then, he was up in Pembrokeshire, Tenby. uh, He went to Cornwall. And then he was sighted off the coast of France and Spain. And then the Isles of Philly and now here. So he can cover great, great distances. But the thing about walruses is they do need to rest, and they spend a lot of time. Um, they can sleep for up to 20 hours. Um, so just like our native pinnipeds, uh, our, our gray seals and common seals, they're semi-aquatic. They have to come up on land to rest for extended periods of time. And a really important thing to remember is that disturbance isn't necessarily touching an animal or you know physically moving it. Disturbance is if you're close enough that the an animal is even looking at you, then that means it's not able to rest, 
It's not able to feed, and it's not able to look out for predators. So we please, please ask that the public respects this space, does not approach within at least 100 meters. If you are lucky enough to see him, please use binoculars and a nice zoom lens so you can, you can um, observe him and enjoy him, but just so you're not disturbing him. Because you can imagine, um, even for us, if we're trying to rest, if we're being constantly, constantly pestered and we're not able to sleep, that ends up compromising your immune system. And he needs to be as strong and healthy as possible because he has a very long journey ahead of him. We're really hoping that he can make his way back up north, but the only way that's going to be happening is if he can just rest undisturbed. And many of us thought, as there were so many sightings, that maybe there was more than one walrus, but I think the Irish Whale and Dolphin Association noted some spot on the body and it, it made to realise that it was the same guy, girl or, or guy, I'm not too sure uh, which one it is, was just travelling around the south coast and as you mentioned elsewhere, off England as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the same walrus. Um, it does have, um, there is some marks on it that, that are identifiable, but the easiest way to identify him is the length of his tusks. So he is a male, and because of the length of the tusks, females and male uh, walruses both have tusks. Um, but we know that he's about four to five years old based on how short his tusks are. So he's actually only a juvenile. He's not even a full-grown walrus. Um, the adult walruses, uh, the males can reach between 1,000 and 2,000 kilos. He's estimated to be around 750 to 800 kilos. So he's massive, but he will get much bigger. So that is another reason to definitely keep your distance. They're not aggressive animals, but an animal that that size could definitely accidentally cause some damage and hurt people if you get too close. So, um, you know, we haven't heard any anything about a, a walrus attacking. So we've had a few people concerned about, you know, swimmers in the area. I wouldn't be concerned about that. He might be a little bit curious. They are very social animals, but they're very sensitive, and he's not going to enter a hostile situation. I think the worst thing that would happen is just he'll be forced to continue to move and not get a chance to rest. And do we know, Melanie, why he came this way? I mean, our weather conditions are a lot different than they are in Greenland. Why did he come down and stay in our waters? Uh, Is he going to go back up or or do they stay around for a good while? It's just such an anomaly. Um, I've never heard of a walrus coming down this far south. Um, Now, I do have my suspicions. I do think that it it would be a pretty logical assumption that it has something to do with climate change, especially with the IPCC report that just came out. Um, The effects of climate change are much more dire than previously thought. Um, So we are losing sea ice at an extremely high rate. Um, And as we know, walruses, polar bears, there's a lot of Arctic species that rely on sea ice. So when they lose their habitat, it's potentially, uh, you know, they might need to explore new areas. But also melting sea ice and climate change affects weather patterns and it affects sea currents. So um, these ocean currents, they're getting disrupted. So it might not be the last Arctic species we see down here. Um, We have seen kind of a a rise in numbers of sort of of vagrant species that shouldn't be here. For instance, um, last year we had a ringed seal um, that we actually successfully rehabbed and released. Um, but that was the first documented case of an Arctic ringed seal ever in Ireland as well. So this could be a trend that we're seeing just, you know, as the, the climate changes, as biodiversity loss is put, you know, it's, it's got increased challenges. 
um, there could be more and more animals just really trying to survive and exploring new habitats. And is our temperature too warm for them? I mean, they're used to the the minus and and the low temperatures in the Arctic, in Greenland. Uh, How do they survive here when there's a a, a huge change in temperature? I know we don't have the warmest climate, but still it's a lot warmer than what they're used to. Exactly. I've had the same thought. Um, you know, I, I'm from Virginia and Irish waters are very, very cold to me, but it is much warmer than what he's used to. So um, he does seem to enjoy lying in the sun. Um, we've, he's kind of been observed, you know, through binoculars. Um, he, he, he seems to be doing okay. He's relatively in healthy condition. Um, he has been sort of underweight. Um, but he is able to feed. So if he finds a safe platform, what he'll do is he'll go off and he'll forage for food. Um, so walruses kind of just go along the bottom and they'll eat crustaceans and mollusks and clams and crabs and things like that. Um, and then he'll come back up and he'll rest for extended periods of time. And he has been observed foraging, so we know that he can get food here, and he seems like he's in relatively good shape. So I think that, um, you know, he definitely is going to need to bulk up blubber to get back up north, not only for the energy reserves, but also to keep him warm when he gets home. So that's just another reason to really just give him his space so he can build up those blubber reserves, uh, because he has probably acclimated a, a bit to the warmer weather down here. Yeah, and I mean, you, as you say, you are looking to monitor his movements. Uh, how can people contact you? Is that the number you gave? Is that the best way to get in contact with yourself? Yes, we've got a 24-hour hotline number that you can find on our website. Um, and it is 087-195-5393. And I would also like to mention that this is the beginning of gray seal pupping season as well. So our native species of seals are going to start pupping. So if anyone's on the beach and you see um, some seals, uh, just please give them, same as the walrus, please, please give them distance. The pups have to stay on land for the first few weeks until they molt their baby coat. So it's just a really, really easy way to protect wildlife. It's just avoid interfering and allow nature to take its course, and then the pups will gain enough weight, and then they can go off on their own. But if you do see a seal that you think needs help, please don't hesitate to call our 24-hour hotline for that as well. Okay, well, we'll wait and see where next Wally does pay a visit to. But for the moment, Menley, thanks for joining us this afternoon with all of that information. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That is Menley Crosey there of Seal Rescue Ireland. If you can help out with a type of pontoon or indeed a platform, floating platform that will help them out when Wally does reappear to wherever he will go to. He was in Clonakilty Bay yesterday. We're now learning he's left the bay. But where is he gone? He could be still locally in the Cork area or as we have heard, they can swim for miles. He could be gone anywhere. Anyhow, uh, Melanie's number, you'll get those details from us as well on 1850 And of course, across today's show and all this week, we are playing bonus bingo because C103 we pay bingo every day for cash prizes but we're giving you a chance to win a fabulous hotel stay with our bonus bingo giveaway thanks to the NCBI I gave you a number after 10 o'clock I gave you another number after 11 and this is your final bonus bingo number for today you've got to now add all these numbers up and text or whatsapp us in the combined total along with your name and where you are and you could win a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of this week with the draws on Friday and that can be used in any of the Clayton or Maldron hotels in Ireland your number your final number for today is number 12 
one and two number 12 add that along with the other two numbers and you could be winning that voucher with thanks to C103 Bingo and the NCBI for full details on how to play C103 Bingo go to our website c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do Ballon has a community development project they are holding a clothing collection that is going ahead in the Marion Hall. It's going ahead on Monday and Thursday evening from 7 to 8.30 and again from Monday the 2nd of August to Thursday the 19th of August uh, items of used clothes paired shoes, bags, towels, sheets curtains and duvets, they are all welcome and the collection is to raise funds for the refurbishment of the Marion Hall car park in Ballonhasic. Kildallery Drive-In Bingo that will be held on this coming Friday at 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard and Tim League Drive-In Bingo goes ahead on this Saturday at 4 o'clock in the Community Sports Field in Timma League. Gates will open there at 3 and books are available on the day. And two historical events take place in McCroom as part of the Heritage Week. You can meet at the former Church of Ireland on Castle Street in McCroom on this coming Sunday and Sunday week from 2 to 4.30. But pre-booking is required on 086 878 And a coffee afternoon in 8 of Breakthrough Cancer Research that will be held in the Garden of Kathleen Finn in Cork McShurry on Sunday from 2 to 6 and the house will be signposted from Cork Mark and Barry Road. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And somebody has texted in thinking they have seen Wally the Walrus of Union Hall. No, not too sure if they have or not, but uh, the text says they have seen him off Union Hall. So if that is the case, that's a confirmation of the spotting. He could be still off the West Cork coast. Now, a lot of uh, emails and texts and WhatsApp we didn't get to around on yesterday's show due to an extremely busy show yesterday and the same today. So we'll get through as many as we can that have come into us overnight as well. And first of all, there was a, a person on to us yesterday. Uh, this was Niamh. If we can help out Niamh, because a set of keys for a Nissan Jeep were lost. Uh, this was two days ago between Mallow Garda Station and the petrol station in the spa area of Mallow. If you have any information, give us a call. We can, if you found those keys, give us a call. We can pass on your details to Niamh. And then a listener in the Bandon area uh, got a phone call uh, claiming to be from a financial company. Now, it seemed like a scam to her because they asked to speak to her husband. Uh, the lady's husband has been dead for 25 years. So initially this uh, did, for her, uh, sound alarms because the person on the other side of the phone was quite insistent that when she asked more questions he then wanted her bank details and she was asking why uh, he, she or that person on the phone wanted the bank details because after all her husband had passed away initially they wanted to speak to the husband and then when they could not they were looking for bank details she feels it's a scam. The call is claiming to be from a financial company and the lady in question has notified abandoned Garda Station to just be unaware of phone calls like that. We're always highlighting scam calls. They are doing the rounds, so just take note of that. I know another peop- a lot of people this morning have been sending in WhatsApps of more of those scam calls that are doing the rounds again, so just take extra care. And A lot of those scam calls, they can ring and they can look like that they are coming from a phone number that's very similar to you, your own, with the last 
last two digits different but again there are scam calls a person here says you might let listeners know that uh, another scam call I got this morning but it came from an unknown number uh, no number showing it actually said unknown number on my phone it was an automated call claiming to be from revenue so be aware of those scams and Christy on WhatsApp yesterday to the show he was asking about something we spoke about at length and this was the Merriam party uh, and the party involving the uh, well, a number of people who were in government and Otonish uh, Leah Ranker uh, was there and also it was Catherine Zabone's party of course we're speaking about which we did discuss on the show Christy but uh, he says if, if it was legal as Leo believed it was to be and he had been assured that it was why then did he apologise for attending uh, the party which is a good point Christy well in any case it must have been a very exciting bash as himself and Ivana Bacic only stayed for a full 20 minutes uh, says Christy on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and of course she had to come out then Ivana Bacic and she had to apologise to her Labour Party leader Alan Kelly because uh, yeah, she said she was there for around 20 minutes I did hear other reports that Leah was there for 45 minutes but anyway regardless they weren't there for very long but still they attended that and it's only afterwards we got to the bottom of those rules in relation to outdoor dining and then uh, somebody else was on to us regarding another disease that they are watching and worried about they say hi JP not to be the bearer of bad news but just wondering about this deadly Marburg disease in Africa which it seems is highly transmissible and once again associated with bats. What steps are the government here taking so that people coming in from these regions and before they arrive here, what indeed are we doing with these people? Because if they arrive here, are we inviting this in like we did with COVID? Says that texter. And yeah, it's officials in Guinea. They have confirmed the first case of this disease called the Marburg disease. It's the first case of the deadly illness in West Africa, according to the World Health Organization. And the potential for this virus to spread far and white means that they now need to stop it in its tracks. Now the virus itself is, is in line it comes from the same family of viruses that cause Ebola which was another deadly and highly infectious disease I suppose if we look at Ebola it did stay in certain parts of the world and there wasn't a huge effect in the likes of Ireland and the UK and other countries compared to the effects we had with Covid. Uh, it seems to be a different family of viruses but still highly infectious uh, and you would hope it won't lead to what we had when we had the story like this coming out of uh, Wuhan uh, nearly two years ago now and what that led to so hopefully God hope this won't be something similar but anyway uh, it's uh, two months after uh, the WHO declared the end of the country's second outbreak of Ebola where it started and has claimed a number of lives now they have found this uh, and it's coming from Sierra Leone and they have found bats infected with this diseased Marburg in 2018 uh, they had no cases at that stage confirmed to humans and this African fruit bat seemingly is the host of this virus but now uh, there has been an outbreak and officials in Guinea are confirming that so uh, I'm not too sure if that will have the same impact as COVID hopefully not I'm just going on that it's part of that family of Ebola um, that was different than what we are dealing with with COVID but uh, hopefully it won't lead to uh, a similar story what we heard when we were reading or something similar in uh, January 2020 and February 2020 about Wuhan and look what happened a few months later and anyway, my fingers crossed that won't happen 1850 your gardening questions are welcome for Peter Doddall he'll join us very shortly and you can always text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Bush we did ask you to text in or WhatsApp in the total number we gave you three numbers across the show 
and we ask you to text in the total number and if those that person with the correct number will then go along to our draw on Friday where you could be winning yourself a 400 euro hotel voucher at the end of the week and it can be used in any Clayton or Maldron hotel across the country it's with thanks to C103 Bingo as we give away cash prizes every day and the NCBI and if you want to know more details about how to play C103 Bingo go to our website c103.ie and simply click C103 Bingo those numbers we gave you were number 7 number 25 and number 12 and if you tot all those up you will get the number 44 and well done to Geraldine Scanlon in Cove uh, who got that number you're in the draw Geraldine on Friday you could be heading away on a fabulous hotel break uh, for yourself with thanks to the NCBI and C103 Bingo we will play bonus bingo again tomorrow on the show from 10am and yesterday we spoke, and indeed over the last two weeks or so, about admissions at Bantry Hospital. They reopened this morning at 9am. We spoke with Jerry Harrington, who's a first responder in the area. He organised the protest there to highlight what was happening with no admissions in Bantry. Thankfully, the service is up and running today. Uh, but something out there, and I, I do presume this is something to do with the consultants, and when they have them all in place in September, it will go back to full hours. But the worry, uh, Jerry is, has just contacted us, is that the uh, assessment unit in Bantry is running now at reduced hours. It used to be 8am to 8pm. It's now running 9 to 6 so 9am to 6pm and that's 24 hours less per week and they don't want it to stay at that reduced service so we'll touch back on that on tomorrow's show but that's the latest on the admissions. They have reopened in Bantry uh, but from 9 to 6 at the moment and Paddy uh, phoned us. He wants to highlight that a lady drove a number of kilometres to throw her household rubbish over his ditch onto his land but she was spotted and also she was caught on camera one of his neighbours picked it up on camera and among that the rubbish that was found her name and address was in the rubbish and that has gone to the Gardaí uh, so hopefully the Gardaí will deal with that with Paddy uh, just from when we speak about rubbish uh, informing us that it happened to him but uh, that's how he has dealt with the situation and hopefully that lady will be fined uh, after the information was found in her rubbish. And don't forget, Trevor Welch is back this weekend exclusively with Premier League Live on C103.ie and the C103 app. Premier League Live with Now, your sport and your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with Now. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. As we say, good afternoon as usual on a Wednesday to the Irish gardener, Peter Doddle. Afternoon to you, Peter. John Paul, how are you? I'm fine. How are you keeping? Very good, very good. Enjoying no. the sunshine at last. It is. It's, a bit, it's turning out what it was a very wet and uh, rainy morning and windy morning. It's now beautiful. That's what it is. It's sunny here anyhow where we are, uh, hopefully elsewhere in the county. And before we get into questions, there's a number of questions in, by the way, but very briefly, a texter, Peter, has asked, uh, can you ask your Peter what he thinks of those so-called robot trees uh, which have gone up on Patrick Street? Uh, does he agree with them for what they do or does he think that they're just unsightly and they should plant more real trees? trees in the city centre. I kind of guessed that this would come up today, John Paul, and <laughs> I meant to do my homework on it because, it, it, believe it or not, the first I heard about them was, was on the news this morning or last night, and 
I give, as you know, a, a lot of talks uh, on media, on both social media and on radio stations like yourself, etc., etc., and about the benefits of the green environment. And, and I kind of always start off when I'm talking to talk about, you know, the benefits or the, the importance of trees and, and our green environment in giving us fresh air to breathe, right? And I often kind of say tongue-in-cheek, or up to now it was tongue-in-cheek, kind of jokingly, I always said, you know, I can imagine if a tech company could, dream up something to to suck pollutants out of the air and to suck co2 out of the air and to store it and to give us all fresh oxygen they probably charge thousands i used to say this joking uh, but we already have them we ha they're called trees and we just need to put a value on them and to protect them and to plant more of them and now i see cork city council doing this i'm i'm slow to criticize until i know what i'm what they are exactly what they are but it, it certainly seems to me to be I, I don't I don't know what to say. Like, well, they're covered I mean, they're in a mixture of moss uh, cultures and it's said that they do filter out pollutants in the air. Uh, but as you say, trees do so, similar. So, so do trees. So do trees. And yes, I mean, I've heard a lot of the comments on your st station and others that, you know, you buy a lot of trees for that kind of money. You would. Hmm. Um, per, I don't know what their reasoning behind it was. I mean, they're struggling in Cork City Council to see the importance of street trees. They knock down, seem to knock down a lot of them. Um, like... I don't know. I, I, I'm very slow to criticise because I don't know the full facts, but it seems to me that they should be putting... I mean, yes, they might they might give uh, a bit of, of clean air. I presume they're solar powered. It's not fossil fuels powering them. I presume that. Uh, and I also would need to see, like, will they sustain, you know, up to 3,000 species, which trees will, of, of insects. It's not all about clean air. It's about creating mm. little ecosystems. And trees do more than just give clean air. They they they. they reduce temperatures in uh, urban climates you know they, they'll give us cooler cities they'll shade they also make the city a much more beautiful place to be in thus improve uh, increasing real estate value etc etc if you want to look at it in pounds and pence uh, i would have been mu much more enthusiastic about planting trees than these but as i say i don't know all the full facts well as somebody said to us earlier on social media they could become a nice climbing facility for when students return to schools on the uh, Thursday or students return to college even on the Thursday nights out and the weekends when everybody's back out and more clubs open and stuff later so hopefully they won't become climbing uh, facilities for people stay, at 2am in the morning stay, stay on off them no John Paul <laughs> I won't stay be on them don't no, worry <laughs> you get some hoppy who fell off them on the Patrick Street anyhow let's get on to questions yeah. that are into us Gary is in McCroom and he wants to know, ask Peter, how can you get rid of ferns on a ditch permanently? Well, I wouldn't try to get rid of ferns on a ditch permanently. Again, going back to what we're just talking about, the importance of, of the, the green environment and, and the, the greater landscape, the, the, I, I would be inclined to leave them. However, if you really want to get rid of them, it's just I'm afraid there's no magic wand. Uh, it's get out there with a shovel, dig them. You'll, you'll definitely find people who, are, who would be glad to get them, so don't necessarily throw them out. Uh, if it's your own ditch, if it's if it's a, a wild area, a public area, it's illegal to remove anything from the ditch. But uh, if it's your own area, first in the first and foremost, I'd be slow to do it. Learn to love them. Uh, but if you do want to, to get rid of them, it really is get in there with a hand trowel or a shovel and just take them out by hand. I wouldn't, uh, under any circumstances, condone the use of any kind of a weed killer in a ditch because there's too much else going on in terms of biodiversity. Uh, so it really is, I'm afraid, if you, you need to remove them, get in there and get them out by hand. And Mary's in Kilbethany. She wants to ask you, Peter, she has what she thinks anyway is called an angel's wing shrub or it could be called lamb's ear. But the snails are destroying it. Has Peter a remedy for this? She is using slug pellets, but they're only uh, part successful. 
the yeah the, well i've said several times on on this program jp about be careful which slug pellets you use first of all a lot of them contain methaldehyde so try and make sure you're not using them because they are toxic to the slugs and snails but also to everything else including the predators for slugs and snails birds and hedgehogs so be careful if you're using a slug pellet first it's fine to use them just make sure you're using the right one so keep an eye out for one that contains ferric phosphate that's iron phosphate and not methaldehyde they're much safer but with any of them they're not they may not be that successful because if you create a barrier around the, the, the plant in the first instance, I'm always talking about this natural balance in the garden, JP. And what that means is by maintaining, uh, you know, a good diversity of species in your garden, both plant and wildlife, uh, you prevent the unnatural buildup of one. So in other words, if you use a slug pellet to kill off the slugs and snails, you'll kill them. But if it's the wrong slug pellet, you may also kill off the, the birds and hedgehogs and the slug population will increase far quicker than that of the, the birds and hedgehogs. So if you can kind of work with nature and use a barrier product there's a sheep's wool product called slug gone uh, which it just creates a barrier you put it down like a mulch around your lamb's ear or any plant uh, and the slugs and snails can't climb over they can't get to your plant so they won't eat it it doesn't take any time to work like a slug pellet might they just can't get over it so that they i'd be far more inclined to use barrier products because what you're also number one you're keeping your plants very safe as the barrier breaks down it becomes a good soil additive but also what you're doing then is you're ensuring a healthy supply of food for hedgehogs and birds so uh, it's again working with nature and keeping the circle going but I would use a barrier product such as one of those those wool, wool pellets like Slug Gone Okay Jean is in Bandon she says Hi Peter have you any solution please for vinca plants I'm getting black stems uh, and they are dying any advice? Okay well I'm laughing because uh, in fact I just wrote a piece for this week's examiner about removing vinca from an area of my own garden where, where it has taken over because it can become quite invasive if, uh, which is fine if you have it in an area where you want it to take over but I don't so I'm removing it um, but yes I've seen that black stem on a vinca and it, it's a fungal rot that affects it so the, the good news is it's quite treatable it's, it, it, will, it will recover but you do need to give it a severe haircut you really have to cut it back very very hard so what you want to do is, it's quite simple, get out there with a secateurs or a scissors, JP, and remove those black stems, but don't just remove them where the black meets the green. If, if For anybody who doesn't kind of know what I'm talking about, the, the vinca is, they have these long kind of tendrily stems, uh, a very good ground cover, as I say, but, but quite invasive, so be careful. Lovely over the side of a raised bed or something like that. They look lovely, full of lovely kind of mauvey blue flowers. But the, those tenderly stems, sometimes they get some of this black dye back where the leaves die off and the stem goes black. And it starts from the tip and works its way backwards. So half the stem might be green, but then the top half might be black. But you really need to remove the majority of that stem. So, I mean, what I would actually say and what I would do here is grab the vinca, try and find the base of the plant uh, and grab it by the scruff of the neck if you can imagine where you're putting all the stems together uh, they're like i suppose the best way to describe it jp if you're not familiar with the plant is there'll be like shoelaces coming out of one central point right so you grab all the shoelaces together all the stems together and i would cut them all back as opposed to just a few of them and i would cut them back to within six inches of the base of the plant now the caller might be listening and being nervous about doing this don't be because what you're doing there is you're removing all the infection from the plant right and then you're allowing the plant to regenerate all on its own it should 
if you do just that it should come back on its own if you want to be doubly sure you could drench it with some copper sulfate mixed with water which is a broad spectrum fungicide um, and then i would feed it feed it with a good quality seaweed feed such as the nature safe liquid seaweed uh, and that will really drive it on but even if you don't do the copper sulfate and feed it it'll probably come right on its own if you remove the infection Okay, hopefully that does help Jean there and Bandon. Tess is in Dungourney. She wants to know what's the best thing to kill a stump of a holly tree. She cut it down six weeks ago. She poured weed killer on it, but she thinks it's still not dead. Well, I'm not, as you know, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of using weed killer in the first instance. I'm afraid they're just too dangerous. They're too damaging. Uh, and like, if ever the world needs us to stop using weed killers and to pay more attention to, 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 to the great outdoors it's now i mean this un report and and like the, the the world is on fire we need to stop pouring weed killers on 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 things and we need to to look at other ways to 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 remove plants if we want to and if it's a holly stump so you've now poured a whole pile of weed killer which is going to damage wildlife um and it may not kill the holly so if you want to remove the holly i'm afraid the only way to do it is get out there with you know if a pickaxe and a spade isn't going to do it if, if you have access maybe you could get a mini digger in to get the stump out or you could also get onto a local tree surgeon who have uh stump grinders which is where it, it's it's it kind of sits on top a machine that sits on top of the stump and it just grinds away at it and turns it into soil they, they they are the most effective ways of getting rid of it immediately because even with the weed killer, if you did kill it, um, you're still physically left with the stump. It's still going to be there. So it, it, it's just a dead stump instead of a living stump. Um, so I would really, really would encourage everybody to hold off on this overuse of weed killers uh, and if, if either go in with a stump grinder or go in with a, a small machine to lift it out that way. Okay, and uh, Mike and Bantry, you were on about the slugs will ago. He said he used this uh, powder slug killer mixture with water. He found it good. So that's some advice for. I wonder what that color. is. He doesn't. I wonder. I wonder does he have a name for if he's still listening. If he come back with a name for it, I'd be interested because I don't know that one. So I'd be interested to see it. Yeah, if Mike, if you have a name, if you can text it back in on that powder you, you, you mentioned there. And also Anna agreeing with you how cruel it would be to remove ferns from the ditch for Carrie in McCroom. Anna, a fan of the ferns. And you mentioned there about weed killer. Well, Tom in North Cork, he has put a weed killer product on apple trees by mistake. He thought he was pouring something else on and realised afterwards uh, what it was. He wants to know, will they survive? They are three years old. He didn't say what weed killer it was. Gramoxone. Oh, gramoxone. Well, gramoxone is a particularly nasty one for humans. It's it's paraquat. It's a, uh, I didn't even realise it was still available. But anyway, it's, it's very, very deadly. But it's a, it, the good news is, if you like, it's a contact-acting herbicide. So what that means is it will kill anything it comes in contact with. Uh, in other words, leaves, stems, etc. But it's not like glyphosate, which is the one in most weed killers, such as Roundup, etc., which is a systemic weed killer. In other words, if it was Roundup, it's taken in by the leaves and then it's translocated to all the different parts of the plant to kill it. Uh, Gramoxone doesn't work like that. It'll just very quickly, like in 24 hours, you'll see the leaves and the stems of the apples die off, but the root system will still be okay. So it's kind of time will tell. Certainly any apples that are on the plant this year, do not eat them because that paraquat is lethal. Um, so don't eat them. Uh, hope for the best. But I would say you should be safe enough. I would think you're going to be okay. But it, it really is a question of time will tell. Water them very, very well to counteract the damage. Now, nature has doing, done that a bit in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, But do pay attention to water. Don't be in a rush to feed them, actually. It's more water to, to really get water going through the plant. And Mary's in Drimmel League. She has white butterflies that have destroyed her cabbage. Now, she's wondering, is there something organic that she can use to deter the white butterflies? 
there is you could do use one of two things john paul you could go and make a garlic wash right which is where again just just google it actually and because there's several different recipes for it but google a garlic wash uh in the garden and that'll come up basically what you're doing is you're pulping a few cloves of garlic uh and then mixing it with boiling water it, go, it goes back to the days of companion planting where you'd plant garlic near other plants because it would repel things like aphids and cabbage white cabbage butter, cabbage white fly and things like that um Sorry, the cabbage fly and the cabbage butterfly. Um, but what you're doing is you're taking it a step further by pulping the garlic, mixing it with boiling water, leaving it sit for a while and then diluting it. As I say, Google it for the correct rates uh, and then drenching that your, your cabbage plants with that. What it does is it, it repels these insects from the plants without harming the cabbage at all but, and without harming any insect, but it will repel them from eating it. Another thing you could use, grazers do a product. Now, this is a, a kind of ready-to-go ready to product. It's not one you're doing yourself. Um, uh, it, grazers use a form of calcium in their products. and So you're also feeding the plants, right? But what the calcium does, depending on the formulation and the strength of the calcium, they repel different pests and i know grazers do one for the that that butterfly um a quick search online it's for aphids caterpillars and the cabbage white so th that's a very good one you just spray it on it's ready to go you mix it to spray it on the plant and it's very very effective now it does take more than one application but if you persist with it over a couple of weeks it's very very um effective okay hopefully that helps mary there in German league and that's it peter for this week are you still doing talks online or are you physically able to get out to any place at the moment or is it still mainly online taking a summer break at the moment oh, from, are you? From, oh, from all all okay. that well no not, not quite at the moment <laughs> but just from the from the online stuff because we're getting ready of course because all the spring bulbs will be coming in over the next few weeks True. so we're we'll be busy getting them out over the next few weeks but we'll be back online doing the ask the gardener on fridays um hopefully sometime during september very good well best of luck with that enjoy the online summer break so peter and we'll chat to you uh, next wednesday Thanks, Chapa. Take care. That is Peter Doddall there, the Irish Gardener. You can find him on theirishgardener.com or indeed, if you just search The Irish Gardener on Facebook or on Instagram, if you missed something Peter has said with us today, you can listen back on the podcast section of c103.ie. That's it for today. Tomorrow we're back from 10am discussing money mules. What are they and the dangers involved? Also, why indoor sports need to be allowed return? Our Gardafile and Jane will be here with pet advice for Thursday's Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Wednesday. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.